Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Internet. The date is June 17th, the year is 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio episode 489. In just two days' time, we will be in New York, gathered together to play games, build keyboards, and watch movies. That's right, it's the Waypoint Summer Games Feast, and it will all be streamed live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash waypoint. Please, pull up a chair at our table. Partake of our bounty. It's all made possible by the founders of our feast, our supporters at waypointplus.com. Perhaps you would like to number among them. It's a most exclusive club of the most curious vein of gamers who appreciate yes, the finer he's obviously things. Reading. John Carpenter's foremost among them. <laughs> that's just a little joke. A taste of the merriment that's await- that awaits you at waypointplus.com. Subscribe today and gain access to a trove of podcasts about Michael Mann and Sid Meier's Gettysburg. And then, and then more enjoy. Michael Mann. <laughs> and more Michael Mann. And then enjoy Waypoint Summer Games Feast, securing the knowledge that you have made it possible. Festivities start on Monday, June 20th at 10 a.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash waypoint. But I should warn you, this Summer Games Feast comes at a cost. Not everything at Waypoint General Store may survive our ceremonies. Get your limited-time exclusive ambidextrous Waypoint ceramic mug today before it's too late. But first, we podcast. I'm your host, Rob Zach, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. Rob told me this morning, he's like, hey, you know... I could be on the stream or I could do other things. Well, I'm glad I've just figured out (laughs) what the other things I was doing. Oh... It was worth it. Renata Price. Uh, and Ricardo hi. Contreras. Hi. I feel like you should definitely... I I want to see Rob Zachney consider joining a uh, wrestling promotion, because that promo he just cut was great. Was that a wrestling promo, or was that him working his game show host? And come on down, come I feel like I feel like he... Uh, He's like one step away. It was it was what it really was is Medieval Times announcer uh, and medieval, mm-hmm. local Medieval mm-hmm. Times uh, ad announcer is where it was. <laughs> That's what was being served. Hang on. I like to think maybe also somebody introducing horror movies on public access TV after like one a.m. Like you, you were close that's also, to that, but I feel like yeah. you needed more more spooky in your voice well, yeah, for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can, what if Kato? I mean, 
You could add a sound effect behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and a right? warm his voice. Oh my god. Give, a, give him a little a shot of the Morbius. Yeah. <laughs> people people love it when Kato adds sound effects to things. <laughs> it's it's really, everyone's favorite really new like feature. I'm yeah. very sorry about a thing that I did. <laughs> goes over super, super well. I've gotten two positive uh, tweets about people, that one, I want to say. People there love unexpected two. and repetitive noises randomly inserted into their podcast Ooh. for reasons that only become clear at the end. Uh, Kyle, you uh, said you got two positive reviews. Uh, yeah. Quick question, quick question. Can you give me the ratio on that real quick? I wouldn't know because there's too many to count on the other end. <laughs> Mm, interesting, 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 <laughs> interesting. See, I'm getting, I'm getting added over Patrick. Did you get charged fifteen thousand dollars from Sonos? And then Kato's getting added over his. We're getting ratioed in different ways for different yeah. reasons, Kato. God. Uh, so we're gonna have a bit of an abridged show because, of course, we are getting ready for our summer games feast. Uh, but we also have a summer big game, important game work. Feast. No, see, I was just see, <laughs> Kato, you were confused. See, you thought we were we were saying the wrong title, but we were actually just promo promoing our our thing, our thing right? Yeah, okay. Games <laughs> feast, games. Feast. Uh, but you know, speaking of feasting, uh, Patrick, yeah. you were you were doing a little you were you were partaking of a uh, next feast uh, this morning on on stream, uh, just digging into game demos, and uh, I was curious if anything sort of leaped out at you and Kato uh, as as you checked out what's available. Yeah, Kato and I did a stream uh, the morning that we're recording this. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So Steam Next Fest is is happening, which is uh, something Steam, they call, I don't think it's always called Next Fest. I think sometimes it's Demo Fest, but the long and short of it is that they, for the last couple of years, they've been doing this really cool thing where uh, like, wish lists are the currency of Steam. So when you see a developer say, Please wish this my game. What that does, if you aren't engaged in like the Steam ecosystem, is essentially it allows them to bug you when the game is going to come out. And like wish lists um, are strongly tied to potential sales. Like there are like mathematical formulas that can tell you like, hey, this many wish lists probably means like generally speaking, this many sales. It also influences how Steam promotes upcoming games from unknown developers, sort of like unproven uh, game creators when they're trying to figure out what to promote. So these. Demo fests are this opportunity for folks to make a pitch that is tried and tied directly into an ecosystem where people can leave and then wishlist it. And then hopefully you can ride that to a lot of interest when you release your game uh, eventually. And um, I also think it's neat because it is for a lot of people a they get a tiny little window into like what it's like to play a bunch of E3 demos. Um, like, for example, there was a uh, a game we checked out uh Oh, it was uh, which one was that? Um, it was the the roguelike deck builder. Uh, oh, beneath uh, beneath Aresa, 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 in which we were trying to see if we could uh, change uh, the binding of a key because because oh, yeah. Kato had his Apple mouse hooked up to it and a key mechanic <laughs> oh, only operated. <laughs> on what is the, it with Kato on, and inputs this like this week? I know, I know. Uh, and <laughs> he, he, if you wanted to change which character you were or enemy you were attacking, you needed to use the the mouse scroll. Which he does not have on the on, on the Apple Mouse. Which is you're trying to read bizarre. Mm -hmm. It has a scroll. I use it to scroll up and down on my Mac all the time. But, but like, for some reason, the when I scroll gesture, that's the I, scroll gesture. Yeah, the scroll gesture. That when I when I Bluetooth it on on a piece on a, on a Windows PC, it doesn't read any of that at all, which is really annoying. 
Um, we should just get a real mouse that if you need a junky one, they're like ten dollars. Uh, I'm sure, sure Ren, like just probably one a device office that nobody would notice. Um, and I'm gonna steal anyway, one. like it, you know, they're like you go into the options. And the options are like we don't have any. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, like no nothing. options here. And it was very funny to like because that's very similar to that if you go to hands-on demos for uh, like you know games that are in development like that. That's also the equivalent. I saw the people this week when they went to the Keeley. Summer Games Fest had a uh, like an in-person component where there are a bunch of games you could play. And I guess Sonic Frontiers was presented in windowed mode on a P- a Windows 10 PC. Like that's how people were wow. playing the game. Just truly incredible Amazing. shit. Anyway, uh, there's so much cool stuff on there. I, I cannot re- like cannot recommend enough. Like people start digging around. And so we did a stream where every 15 minutes uh, we had to Alt F4. And, and switch out um, to something else. And then Kato and I went back and forth uh, playing uh, probably all told like seven or eight games, something yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, the one that we started out with, the game that is like coming out of Steam Next Fest with the most sort of attention, it's kind of like running away with people's uh, interest is uh, Metal Hellsinger. Um, we uh, briefly mentioned it somewhere else. Maybe that was in a meeting. I don't know. We came up at, at some point uh, among us uh, recently, but it's, you know, it's, there's a game that came out like a year or two ago called BPM, Beats Per Minute, like a first-person rhythm-based shooter. Uh, was Metal Hellsinger Bullets is, Per Minute. Bullets Per Minute? That's probably right. Um, <laughs> uh, and Metal Hellsinger is like in that uh, sort of vein. It is a first-person shooter um, that feels kind of, how did you put it? Like someone was playing yeah. Doom 2016 yeah. with metal music and said, hey, Hey, wait a second. Hey, wait a hey, second. Wait. This like, kind of rules. This, this fits together really uh, well. Like, why not try and make a game out of this? And the way it works, uh, and it works exceptionally well, it's a, an extremely cool game, um, is that uh, you have weapons, um, you have swords, um, and they're, the, the reticle has sort of a, a beat associated with it. Now, you're hearing that beat kind of like a metronome in the background, but it's 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 incorporated into the music in a way that it doesn't feel like somebody in the background going, tonk, 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 tonk. Um, it feels very natural, um, and it's something you can pick up on visually because the way the, the, the reticle is uh, kind of pulsing from left to right and coming inwards to the center, you can use that to sort of like get yourself back on beat or you can tap your finger. Um, the damage output that you do goes up um, as you are stringing together uh, multiple, uh, like on beat combos. They, it judges you similar to a, like a, you know, dance dance revolution or, or a rock band in which it was like, perfect, good, great, miss, almost things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and importantly, it's not just you stringing together the rhythm while you are in the midst of a fight. Um, it's also keeping that rhythm going as you are going between fights. So like, for example, there is a, there's this weapon, the skull you can switch to that can do dance, like light damage from a, like a medium or long distance. It's like a very light fireball. But when you're going between combat encounters, you want to pull that out and just keep tap, 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 tapping that to the rhythm so you can keep your combo high. Like, um, so your score can be better. Uh, I think that's, I think that's entirely related to your score. Kind of, do, I don't, I'm trying to parse the UI. Like, is the 16, like the 1x, 2x, 3x that's happening. Mm-hmm. I think that is score based. And then I think the, one hit, two hit, three hit, four hit in a row. That's it, that's uh, changing the damage output. I, I think, think the, that might be. I think the sixteen, the 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 one that gets up to sixteen is combos because it seemed to drop when you 
loss. Yeah, but there's two because there's like one yeah. that's happening on the left, one that's happening at the top. Kind of regardless, like these are things tying its damage. They're tying into to the score. Um, it's gorgeous. The music is fucking awesome. And the max like combo you can get is 16x, and when you do that, uh, the vocals for the song kick in. So they're always there. You just don't hear them unless you're you're maxed out on combo, and then the game is like. Whoa! And <laughs> yeah. rules. Nice. It's, it's another rising revengeance approach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, uh, yeah, they did a really good job of kind of uh, even it ramps up too. Like, right, you start yeah. with like a very kind of uh, basic guitar and like drum beat happening, and then like once you hit like four X or something, a second guitar and bass like get it added in, and like it starts it's a little bit like layering uh, on top of each other. <laughs> frequency or amplitude if you played those old um music uh, yeah, games yeah. from harmonics where those games are so old enough now that i guess people might not really remember that but like it's this this is what they worked on before guitar hero and and rock band but like it's still sort of like a lane based note chart idea where you've got one two kind of like three these like five or six different lanes in front of you but in frequency and amplitude like those would correspond to different parts of a music track so it's like, you know, vocals, bass, drums, things like that. And you would be like turning those on and off as part of the the game, like the gameplay. And here, like that is there in a different form. It's just like being layered on as your combo is getting better. And it always sounds good. It doesn't even at the basic level. It does. The game is not punitive. It's like, hey, the music sounds shitty now because you're playing poorly. Um, It just sounds more and more badass yeah. and interesting and layered as you go along Um, as you're, you know, also running around and. Hitting demons. The game also has like cool mechanics where, again, much like Doom, you can put enemies into a weakened state. Um, and so in Doom, you would do that, and then you could do like the really gnarly kills that would like sort of like mutilate them. And I think that's how you were getting health, ammunition, and shield. Yeah. Um, depending yeah. on on how they were weakened. Uh that that mechanic it's a similar sort of like setup where you're weakened state and then you do sort of a one-hit kill attack. But you're, you you need to do it on beat in order for it to do anything. So you could be sitting there like trying to tap E over and over, trying to do this one hit kill, and you're just like missing the rhythm. And then they'll come back alive again and start start taking you on. So uh, it's this really it's extremely good. As you've been talking about this, I'm I'm actually really curious now. What are each of your respective relationships to metal music? That's so um, funny because that's what we started. <laughs> yeah, so we, that was yeah. my first well, question. Well, Gato Gato's answer was. Well, I like System of a Down. Yeah. So that doesn't. I mean, that's. I get what you're saying, but I think that's different than a metalhead. Are you a metalhead, Ren? Is this what you're? Are we also admitting this? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's a genre that I that I like, but I don't listen to actively. Um, mm. It's it's one of those for me. Uh, my stepdad is really into metal, so it was played in my home a lot uh, on the speaker that system that he set up. Uh, and so, did it rule? Maybe I guess I shouldn't assume that you thought it ruled to listen <laughs> to metal music really loud. I would time. find that rules. No, <laughs> yeah. When my house is regularly shaking uh, while I'm just trying to like vibe in my room uh, because my stepdad is playing metal music for the 35th time, uh, and I and I choose not to leave my bedroom for another week. Um, no, it's not my fave, <laughs> but I do like the music. Sure. Uh yeah, I uh, grew up around a lot of metal music, not through my parents, but a lot of my, whereas, like, I went towards, like, the, uh, like, like, Weezer, not not quite emo, I never quite went full, like, Dashboard Confessional, but, like, along that route, like, the pop emo route, like, that's where I splintered off mm. on music in my teens, um, mm, emo because cusp. of Weezer. 
everyone else around me, all my friends went from corn to metal music and then got metal bands and were specifically in, oh boy, hardcore bands in which hardcore is like a very specific term in which a lot of what you're doing when you go to a hardcore show is trying to get in a fight in a mosh pit while people play extremely fast guitar riffs and go <laughs> like into a microphone. <laughs> and I was just around that constantly. It was never my type of music, but I always appreciated kind of the, I don't know, like the brotherhood culture that came out of it. Like everyone that was like in those circles so deeply loved each other as they were also fighting and trying to get, maul each other in these, in these pits. And so that's my, I, I love listening to it. I just don't like listening to it in my free time. Yeah. So like in this context of this game, it's, it's awesome. It's like the perfect like way to like go near something that was like a big part of my teens that I no longer am really a part of. Um, but it's, it's so well done here. And the game has such a strong appreciation for it. We're like, the opening cutscene, um, you know, is some demon something or other climbing a mountain. I'm not really sure of like the plotting because we were skipping past the cutscenes so we could because we had only had 15 minutes to play each game. Um, but it credits the music in the corner, like, and it was like just a game that has such a deep appreciation for the culture that it's pulling from, uh, which I think is neat. Yeah, that's sick. Kind of, what was one of one of your favorites from the 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 list we went through this morning? Uh, they're all so interesting. I I really do want to shout out that that card game, which we just touched upon. Um, oh, oh, right. I keep forgetting the name because you only introduced it to me this uh, morning. Beneath beneath Oressa. Oressa. Yeah, a sort of um. Oh no! It hurt. Stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> Rogue like deck builder. Um. But please, please click this store page yeah. that I just pasted. You have and to look, look at. You have to. The reason I, I I downloaded this and then told Kato, you need to download this. You yeah. know how I feel about these games. I like, I respect them, but I get tired of of them eventually. But I need to see you play this because of how it looks. It's it's stunning. Um. So essentially, oh my for the, god, for the people at yeah. home, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it has you a very it. interesting. Uh, like kind of cell shaded art style. Think Borderlands, but a little less uh, extreme is th- than that. And, and it's like fantasy uh, archetype styling is what you're kind of looking at here. But the basically the way that you played this uh, uh, deck like rogue building game, <laughs> rogue like deck building game is you get into a fight. <laughs> yeah, you get into a, you get into combat, and as you play cards on the different enemies. Um, you kind of attack and your character like moves forward and swings their attacking then like the action kind of goes into slow-mo and then you hit your next attack and they kind of they combo into it basically so if you were to play this all back it looks like a one fluid like combat moment and it just looks stunning there's also it seems like playing cards quickly does have some sort of mechanic i was noticing that i was gaining a meter that i didn't figure out what it does yet because i only played it for 15 minutes and very quickly and didn't go through a tutorial but there's also a uh like positioning mechanic which is really neat there's basically in the first couple of battles that we were in there are essentially two zones one that was like everything that was near you and a zone that was that counted as far and uh enemies with ranged weapons could be in the far zone and still attack you melee we- melee people had to be in the same zone as you to attack you and you had there were, there was a card that came up that was like if i run into a 
if I use this this attack on a person, somebody that's in a far zone and like run across from being a zone away, uh, it gets it gets me back uh, the energy resource that I'm using to play cards. And there was there was a knockback card where I could knock an enemy back to a, to the far zone from the near zone. So you could see how those two immediately make a combo where you knock someone away from you and then run up follow up with that uh, that comp that that running far extra damage attack <laughs> you know like so even that that was just the first 15 minutes and there's also a mechanic that i didn't wrap my mind around around counter strikes where you're building a meter and when it fills up it seems like there's either some sort of like it's either like uh uh like super attack or something i couldn't didn't exactly grok it there's a lot of text on the on the board that i wasn't fully getting but even i made made you skip yeah that like like, no we're going 15 minutes go 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 um you also had like a companion in you with you uh, like you were kind of a little party but the companion didn't show up in battle at least not at the at the as far as we got in it was just passive yeah it was like passive bonuses that you could upgrade so like you had this some you know the game presents with a broad selection of like main characters or side characters but you're just locked into the two that the demo provides but it seems like the side characters give you these like team bonuses. Like yeah. for example, uh, so the one that was available was this wolf card. Yeah. Right? So basically, it, it seems like there's a there's a team team. What was it? Teammates team teamwork stat. There was a teamwork stat, and basically, when you got plus one on the teamwork stat, that that secondary character has a, a tree that is just like you know straight levels. It's not really a tree. It's just like a single line of upgrades and then each one got you something different the first one on my on my companion for this run was obtain the feed the wolf card which was a great really fun card where uh i got to uh trade in hp for drawing a new card and it costs zero to use but you know i'm using hp but it also if i had a shield up which this game works just like sway the spire in that you can use a defensive a defensive card and it gives you a shield that will go away after a turn if the enemy doesn't just whack it all off um but i put a shield on first and then was using digging into the shield instead to kind of draw through cards a bunch and it kept giving you the feed the wolf card back each time you used it it felt really really neat to find that little so combo. A slight um uh infinite squirrels i mean it was only as far as i could uh as far as i had that shield for so like it felt like it wasn't gonna get too crazy but it worked but, out uh, really the, well in that one moment it's just the, the way that they match this Intense cinematic flair. Yeah. It's so hard to describe how the slow motion works in this game without engaging it with it yourself. There's a, the way you press a card, it commits the action. It looks like it's a, like a typical action, like game cutscene, and then pauses in slow motion for you to do the other. But it's not because it's stopping and it's like, hey, it's the next turn. If you, for example, knew the three cards you wanted to play, you could just go click, 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 and then just watch this incredibly badass scene play out in front of you is the kind of thing where during the the stream, someone pointed out this game should have a feature where you get to watch at the end. Yeah. All of your oh, actions yeah. play out as a single cutscene. It's, it's that, in, it's that incredible. And maybe that becomes less dramatic or interesting when you've played it for 20 or 30 hours. But in those, you know, o- you know, the opening 15 minutes, we played the 10 minutes that I played earlier this week to mark it down as a game that we thought was interesting. Um, it's just so striking compared to how these other games are presented, which makes me think for, for from the you know the perspective of those developers, 
this genre has become so loaded. Like there is just a new one of these coming all the time that you've got to find your way to stand out. And like this game just immediately, even if the mechanics themselves are, you know, it's, we didn't spend enough time to like really pick them apart, but like not drastically different than if you've played one of these before with its own eccentricities, with its own nuances, but the presentation is immediately what makes you go, wow, holy shit, why would I play this over, you know, five other ones that I'm going to kind of like roll the dice on. And I, I just, it was just, I was just so struck by it. The look that was kind of weird. It's like, uh, like your this character looks like a king, but there's also lasers. There's also like goblins from Borderlands. It sounds like it shouldn't work. It sounds awful, like when described on paper, but in, in motion, it is yeah. kind of unlike anything I've seen uh before it looks it looks really 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 neat and like even just the positional stuff is super interesting Mm -hmm. um like as far as like mechanically it it, is standing out from other uh deck uh now almost did it again Mm roguelike deck builders Mm -hmm. um so yeah did i hear a bell (laughs) fuck uh (laughs) um uh i'm really excited to to play the full game and really dig into what those what all of those different keywords that i wasn't <laughs> actually reading I know, about me i know i felt there bad a lot. every time you want you wanted you wanted to figure out what is this yeah what, what is, is this what is my smite mean? score like, what, is, what does smite do my counterattack? what what's this little crown uh, mean <laughs> um I, I think those are the two like real standouts like uh, the uh i want to go through at least mention all the games we played mm-hmm. um uh, Signalis, which was a, oh, it's a really cool, um, that looks really cool. Yeah. I don't know what to describe the setting as, but it's, it's heavily inspired by Resident Evil 1 and 2, I guess. But little, like the PS1 era of Resident Evil games specifically. Um, it's a little aliens. Yeah. Or not aliens, like, alien. You, like, right? Like the ship. Up, you open up in a, yeah, you open up in a pod. And you, you're on this ship that's got some really fucking gnarly looking creatures that want to kind of kill you. It's 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 a game that, it, it, but is is specifically trying to evoke. Here's the yeah. shorthand. Uh, it has an option to switch to tank controls. Um, they're not there by default, <laughs> but they are there if you want them. Yep. That is the vibe that game is going for, and it is cool. Um, uh, Nine Souls, which uh, oh comes God, from yeah. uh, what's the developer? Uh, Red Candle. Red Candle. Um, who did. Uh, devotion uh, and uh, detention uh, to uh, widely acclaimed, extremely good horror games um, from the last decade. Um, and they, it's what appears to be a very cute Metroidvania with incredible animation. And I'm not, I don't want to say it still isn't that, but it presents as yeah. something very, it starts violent, then gets extremely cute. And then I don't even want to tell you what happens, but no. there is an opening presentation setting twist that <laughs> the <laughs> no. chat and Kato and I were basically like standing on our desks, like what going the fuck? stop, but also what's going to happen next. It is. Yeah. I, play that, play the demo for 15 minutes. When a, when a helmet gets placed on someone's head, come back and let me know how your life has changed. Um, um there's uh, a, it has, it has the slightest tinge of like Mark of the Ninja at the, near the end. It does, yes, the that is a really good. That's a really good touchstone for that. Um, Moon Scars, which is in another in a long line of kind of like two D Dark Souls inspired uh, yeah. games um, that has a really striking painterly. 
art style and some interesting mechanical uh, choices in terms of like uh, like one of its big things is you're you're like using mom- momentum of like a heavy attack to push enemies around so that you can like throw them into pits and up against walls and you're that's like a <laughs> huge part of like the momentum of the, of the gameplay and one of the really neat mechanic is that um you you're leveling up um but you're like leveling up on that particular run before you die so yes you can like invest in a skill tree um and things like that but uh like for example like you'll defeat six enemies and then it's like hey do you want to pick a perk Similar to what you would do in like a roguelike game where you're like, you'd finish a room and then like pick like an upgrade you want uh, as you build, as you're specking a build and you're specking a build, but this build only lasts until you die. And then when you die, all those perks go away and then you start over from scratch on a new set of perks that you're accruing, um, as you fight, fight, uh, fight various enemies. Uh, it's neat. Um, speaking of picking perks, go ahead. Well, de- I was gonna uh, segue to dead, de- dead. Wait, what is it? Dead, dead link. Dead link. Yeah, dead link. Very uh, good. Very stylish looking. Uh, I guess it's kind of a boomer shooter, uh, but uh, uh, also roguelike. Also gives you upgrades when you like change rooms, but also just yeah, has like first a lot person of, cyberpunk. Yeah, a game that just has extremely good. Um, shooter Style feel and, and also very fast movement you, know, you got a dash you got a double jump you're grappling across the, the room it's really striking and good uh melatonin which is if you played uh rhythm heaven like the the old nintendo uh, rhythm games it's like one of those like that like people yeah. someone got sad that they didn't make a new rhythm heaven so so they made another one <laughs> um and it's pretty good but as we learned with kato you should not play uh, it with latency yeah it turns out no, that's hard it's um it's a lot of these games have a built-in sort of like area around which you don't have to actually hit it exactly perfect on time. And it's like, Oh, we're going to give you leeway. And the, the tone of the game is very like wholesome, calm, chill in a way where I was like, not expecting to need to be that precise and loser, loser, (laughs) loser, loser, sad face, sad face, sad face. Uh, yeah, my, the latency on my, uh, uh, capture card setup was unfortunately a little bit too much for me, which is which was surprising because I figured it was gonna be more chill than that. But it actually seems to be no. a, a fairly we had, aban- we had abandoned it halfway, and I was like, "Kato, I'll, I'll boot it up and I'll, yeah. I'll stream the second yeah. half of this for you." <laughs> um, that's all the ones that I play. Were there any Were there any other ones you wanted to shout out quick, Kato, before we? Jump um, off this. <laughs> well, oh, Kato, you have to tell them about the last one you did. The last one you I fucking did, fucking monster. Uh, yeah, stall, stallcraft. Uh, a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google it. Google, look up. Look up. Uh, no. So, no. So you know, um, you know the zone. We're all fans uh. here of the zone. We're all fans of open world games. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) Uh, This apparently was once a mod for Minecraft, where they brought the world of the zone and the Chernobyl exclusive zone and Stalker into Minecraft, and they have now made it its own standalone open world, seemingly multiplayer. Because there were, it seemed like there were other people in that session when I started running around the open world. There has there was kind of a lengthy intro scene where you're escaping from Chernobyl itself, and then it lets you out into uh, the zone. And I opened a map, and I was like, yeah, that's it. 
that's the zone. That is the cordon. There, like, please look at this screenshot that I have pasted. And um, oh my god, you might be wondering what is what does uh, it look like in uh, <laughs> what is Minecraft? Oh yeah, <laughs> what is it? It is uh, the 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 humans look like Minecraft humans except with high res textures. This man has a human face on his Minecraft. Oh my block body. god, the picture of the um <laughs> of the the cultist stalkers. Yeah, the, yeah. The blocky hands cocking the handgun is oh what's yeah, that's really the, getting me. That's the great thing about it too is that. Everything's in this. The world building blocks are in the blocky aesthetic. The human characters are in this blocky aesthetic. The guns are fully realized, just <laughs> regular video game models of guns, not blocky at all. And you're holding them in this like square hand of yours. It's a lot. Uh, but I saw this and I was like, oh, we have to return to the zone and see how this plays out. And uh, as far as you like it. It played a lot like Stalker, where like you're you know looting things off of the pe- the the bodies you you killed on the way, and um, we saw an anomaly, but I couldn't get close enough to die to it because there was a some wood in the way. But it was it was a it was a time. I think we have to go. I think we have to go back. We have to go back we, to the yeah, zone. Bl- yes, we, <laughs> we have to go back. Whenever to that the game zone. comes out, if there is a pl- like, do we open the map at the end? And it is it is huge. It's huge. And there are there were other players running around in two different factions, bandits or stalkers. Yeah. And all I was convinced of was that we started this stream. It, it begins so poorly. Like the opening of the game is this constrained, scripted shooting area. It's it sucks. And then you get to the open world part. And I'm not saying it's not it's good, but it was fascinating. And all I wanted to do was to drop the four of us in there yep. and see what happens. I'm, I'm begging. <laughs> Uh, let us, cause, cause you know, I can, I can tell you what's going to, what's going to happen is that, is that at some point Rob Zachney, Rob Zachney will get the, we'll get the, we'll get the stalker itch and he will betray everyone else <laughs> in a moment of desperation. This, the speed with which that will happen is, is thrilling to me. I, I'm so excited to play this. Also, this autumn 2022. Okay, this year, yeah, baby. Yeah, later this 2022 year. 2022 was we're, saved. We're going back. We're going back to Stalker. <laughs> uh, oh, my. Hold on. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Patrick? Wait, yeah. it's processing. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my uh-huh. God. Yeah. The, uh, the mutants are this? also... The mutants are also not blocks, which I find extremely funny. That's what an interesting way to, huh? Yeah, it's extraordinary. <laughs> it is absolutely extraordinary. I love every decision they've made here. It's it's amazing. It's a fascinating way to make things feel alien again. Yeah, which is like, guess what? In this world, everyone's blocks, and you know these people are weird because they're not. That's how you know they're the monsters. <laughs> It makes me want to just want to see a human adult man, just normal in that setting, but treated like a monster because he's not made of blocks. That's great. Yeah. Love it. So, yeah, we played a lot of cool games. There's a lot more that we want to play if we get a chance next week. Um, we won't be doing a ton of streaming outside of the live stuff that we do in person. But if we get a chance, I would love to check out some some more of those. So you can see that over at twitch.tv slash waypoint. And then I don't know. Shout at me if there are other ones that we should 
and especially weirder ones that we should yeah. check out if we get a chance to revisit that. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Oh, uh, Rob, uh, just before we cut to the break, um, I just break. Uh, Dragon's Dogma Two announced, summoned, uh, wheeled into the world. We got routine on one hand, Dragon's Dogma on the other. Um, Austin, what did you? What did you? They didn't announce much. There's like no, a press it wasn't release. Too much. Yeah, there's a press release that just basically says. Thanks for being a fan, which I appreciate. Do you still get press uh, releases? Do you like uh, get some to like I, your personal Gmail? The, like, yeah. <laughs> well, so I like yes. The answer to this is yes. The answer is I made choices around what websites I moved accounts over for. Uh-huh. Uh In terms of like backend stuff, I moved some stuff over to my personal account, and so I do get some stuff. I do not get Capcom stuff. I get I get Capcom stuff for like a fan Capcom account, not for like real okay, press so, releases. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I, so I have the I have the press one. What is I've, the what is the f- I looked up the press Oh, okay, all right. I, I did <laughs> just look up the actual press release project. I'm not a you know, come on. Um you well, I thought you had like a different one? I thought you had a different like no, fan. I don't think that one's that one has email. not gone out yet, but the okay. is the is the one that you have a part of today's ten years, uh, well yes. met, brave arisen. A part of today's ten years, Dragon Dogma developer. My, video well, director. mine says hi, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's different. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. <laughs> well met, brave arisen. Well met, brave Patrick. Dragon Dogma Two is coming. Uh, they put out a video. It's like twelve minutes long. Um, it's it's very funny to watch because it's the sort of video that. Five years ago, I would have told you would never get made for Dragon's Dogma, or maybe mm-hmm. I would say you know never say never. But like, it's it's a eleven minutes of that video is Itsuno and Co talking about like why they made Dragon's Dogma. It's Itsuno talking about like I played tabletop RPGs and game books as a kid, and that was like the real start of Dragon's Dogma. Um, it's so, talking I feel about like, is, you know, um, is Dragon's Dogma popular? Okay, so I had to do some research. Okay, because yes. I, I one of my the- okay. one of my okay, but there's there's popular, and then like uh, I was wondering like is all this like remembering Dragon's Dogma 10, 10 no. year anniversary is a little bit of like laying the groundwork for like this game? Okay, I know like <laughs> I know last time. About, uh, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there is a real answer to this. Actually, a thing that happened recently was someone someone. Someone asked somebody on like Curious Cat, you know, one of those like services, mm-hmm. those like anonymous question asking services. A friend of mine, like, do, do people really like Dragon's Dogma, <laughs> or is Austin just really good about talking about video <laughs> games on podcasts and we're all happy for him? Um, and the answer is you're vastly overestimating my reach if you think that like <laughs> I could create a, a, enough of a resp- like you know I know what our maybe your podcast numbers have changed and gotten way bigger <laughs> since I left Patrick but I know what they were when I was there and we weren't gonna like ever make Capcom make a sequel to anything because no. we talked about it this is the case of Dragon's Dogma Dragon's Dogma released on, got re-released on PC and it was the fastest selling Capcom game ever it's one of their three as of as of whenever this number was, I'm sure like the new Resident Evil games have done better. But when it came out, it was one of the top three Capcom PC games of all time. I understand. I've been made to understand that the Switch port did very well. Uh, I believe that the other ports to PS4 and Xbox One did pretty well. This is a game okay, that's we like have, we have, the word we have, of mouth thing happened. Do you know what I mean? It took we have 10 hard years. numbers. We have hard numbers. Well, you this have is in from, front of you? This is from 2020, so they're a little bit old. But Still, it gives you, yes, gives you a sense. Uh, yes. But this actually fits with my theory on like, okay, so Dragon's Dawn with Dark Arisen, PS3, 360, download 2.1 million. 
Okay, um, not Dragon's great, Dogma, but, but but really good, you know. Yes, PS3 360, 1.3 million. Uh, Dragon's Dogma mm-hmm. Dark Arisen, PS4, Xbox One, DL, uh, I guess download, 1 million. But it's this is relative to uh, Monster Hunter World, 15.7 right. million. Right, of course. Resident Evil 7, 7.5. These, those numbers are lower because it's a couple are, years ago. But it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's all to say uh, it's... It could both be true that we maybe overstate yes. the case on Dragon Dogma's pop like popularity. It's not unpopular, but it is not a Capcom series on the level of a Resident Evil or Monster Hunter. But I think what Capcom is 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 betting on, and I think correctly, is that the mm-hmm. sh- the, the ground has shifted so much between that original game and now that Dragon's Dogma Two can, can very easily like Monster it Hunter was. Hit. A popular yes. niche, but very very popular That's niche exactly game in part of the world, and then became a monster hit with Monster Hunter World. And I think they are correctly betting that Dragon's Dogma Two, a game could that hit like in that same can, way. can absolutely do the same exact thing, you know, totally. a decade later. We've we know that the team on it, or we know that the leads on it are good and and have had other successes across things like Monster Hunter World and and uh, DMC, and so like. And the and this is a game that's going to hit all of these platforms at the yes. same time, uh-huh. you know, uh, and going to find a bigger audience right out the gate. Uh, what is this game? Who could say? <laughs> it, <laughs> is know, the, this- it is on the RE engine, which I think is interesting. Yes. It'll be it'll be the large. I mean, that has proven to be like low key, like mm-hmm. as every other Japanese developer, not every, but like broadly speaking, like has gotten away from proprietary technology to work on largely Unreal Engine. Um, oh. Capcom makes the RE engine with Resident Evil 7 and then has just coasted with this uh, like expand it's like uh Street Fighter 6 is going to be made in it Monster Hunter I don't know Monster Hunter World was made in RE engine I'm not sure on that one but it might have been essentially it, it'll be the largest scale game made in that technology and a technology that is proven to be like look fucking gorgeous run really fast um and that makes me like so excited to see the, what that game rise looked. monster hunter rise was re engine Street okay. six is re engine dmc5 is re engine so it gotcha. is not just resident evil uh but yeah it's definitely the biggest like i i think those areas in monster hunter rise are pretty large but they're nothing compared to grancis the big area in dragon's dogma you know no um uh that's it's an open world game it was an open world game i suspect it still will be <laughs> um uh, i'm very curious to see what the vibe is you know the video it, it yeah, it's them talking about like when they went to Wales in the UK to like do research about you know the world of the first game, and it's about them talking about how like oh we thought the pawn system was interesting because it's that sense of playing a multiplayer game online, but not you know an actual multiplayer game online. You could trade your pawns. You could you know there's a very funny bit where where custom mer- of- mercenary character. This is that the yeah, original the, name? Is that know, in the game or is that no? No, no, this is the original pawns. concept for the pawns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a great bit where they're like, you know, it turned out that was the thing about the game was people would play for 100 hours or 200 hours. And like by the end, they would love their pawns. They would be like, my pawn is the cutest or my pawn is the freakiest. <laughs> it's extremely funny. And it's true. So I just I just beat Dragon's Dogma, uh, Dark mm-hmm. Arisen again. Uh, I'd never I'd only ever beaten Dragon's Dogma. Uh, and every time I played Dark Arisen, which is the expansion pack plus re-release version of it, right? Um, I never did all of that content, the Bitter Black Isle like mm-hmm. expansion, which is a lot like the post game. I don't know how much you remember the Dragon's Dogma post game where there's the Everfall and there's like, all the little dungeons. You fall into like the hole in the ground and all that I, shit. I, yeah, I did enough to get the, the true yeah, ending. I mean, you, you don't. Right. That's the thing is you don't need to clear that stuff out to get the true ending, which 
still is remarkable by the way like it's <laughs> truly there's a there's a giant bomb a game of the year podcast where you explain the ending and i think yes. cameron kunzelman actually wrote about it for us recently for us jesus christ you can't you can't <laughs> you can take the boy out the podcast you can't take the podcast out the boy um <laughs> for a waypoint in the last couple of years there's a cameron kunzelman piece about the end of that game um uh it's all still just remarkable like that that game is so wild because it's so boilerplate out the gate in terms of like okay yeah there's goblins okay there's like a witch and uh, and she's in the woods that's weird you um, need someone uh, to tell you, you it goes play this game. so many fucking wild places in the post game the way the world changes all that stuff still hits so hard and then I did all the bitter black isle stuff and it's such an interesting different game I had never thought about it but like. It really feels like if you go on the Reddit and read the way people talk about Bitter Black Eye on the way that they play it, it's almost like a second game in the series. It's mm-hmm. just a it's almost like a second, much smaller in scale, repeated content game, because the basic thing about it, which I never really internalized, is the map is always the same. But when you go into a zone, it spawns different creatures. It spawns like there's some repeated ones, obviously, but you it, it's sort of a, a castle and the environments around and through the castle that have all become corrupt and weird. And there's a ton of new bosses. And sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't. There are ones that are set to show up the first time you go through. But but it's a, it's a it's almost like a lore, it's almost like Diablo one, right, where you're like going down into this castle uh, or, you know, this this big dungeon, you're hitting some bosses the same every time, but other times it's a random one that you run into. And there, it's absolutely turned into a loot game. There's a ton of new loot, and you literally have to bring it back up to the top and get it identified the way you would in, like, a Diablo-style loot game to find out what it is. And that's like, they did already make a second Dragon's Dogma for me, and I just hadn't gotten around to playing it. So I played <laughs> that finally, which was great. And so it's like, who knows what this, this thing is going to be? Is it going to have co-op? Is it going to have? I think it you has. Know, I mean, given the way that this and they, like scrubbing through the video, yeah, yeah, they, they talk, talk a about, lot about it. Like people feeling connected to mm-hmm. one another, like that is like a core tenant of like the original design document that goes back. Like, right. it's wild how far back it goes. Like prior to them actually making, making it the thing. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's it, it just this single player fantasy RPG that had been like kind of floating around, like back towards an era where they were transitioning from arcade games to like more home to them. I mean, that's just right. He's I was talking about like making rival schools at the time. Yes, you know what yes. I mean? Like it's wild how far and I'm back sure this goes. that like for it's one of those things that is like fairly unique to Japanese mm-hmm. game development in which we just don't really have it's much rarer to find folks that work at a place for decades yes. where there can be like institutional design ideas that uh like dust this the, one off. And well, get, and that the original folks it. that were associated, like I'm sure there is like a passing down of ideas and aesthetics and all, all sorts of things that happen when it th- something is under the, the the umbrella of a company or a brand. Mm-hmm. But it is another thing for like someone to like become a senior member of the the company and then eventually go back like oh well like what if we like what, what if we did something that each with that's been that? kicking around uh, for a little yeah. while and, you know and 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 so then. Uh, you know, the fact that he gets senior enough to like, do you want to make DMC5 or Dragon's Dogma 2? Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, I think, like, thing that, a thing that comes out in this video is that the same thing happened then, which is he had this design doc. And he can make DMC3 or He could make DMC3 right? yeah. or this, and he made DMC3 and then 4 because he'd come on in the middle of DMC2 and was like, I want to make one from the from the top. No offense to DMC2, <laughs> but he made the right call is my understanding. So, uh, you know, I, I get that. I, I, I think that that's really interesting. So, yeah, he's been sitting on that doc for, for – he'd probably already been sitting what on the is, doc what for 10 is, years. What is Dragon's Dogma know, that comes out in the PS2 I well, like, and I, I, It's probably a lot like 
a bad PS2 action RPG, right? Like, what is more of a more of a DMC game, right? Right, like maybe there's like a different monster action. It's a more straightforward character action game. Um, And because probably because that game just comes out at such a weird time. It's when like Japan Mm -hmm. as like Japanese developers are wrapping their heads around Assassin's Creed and yeah, 2005 was what? So no, it's pre Assassin's Creed. DMC wow. three is two thousand five. Oh right? no, I meant I meant Dragon's Dogma. No, but I'm saying if he had made Dragon's Dogma oh, then oh, instead oh, oh, of oh, making oh. DMC three, if they had done that, uh-huh. that would have been a mid two thousands. They're but they are doing stuff right. Like that's Lost Planet era. Mm-hmm. They're doing mm-hmm. they're taking swings. Like, I like Capcom in that mid two thousands era quite Absolutely. a bit. It's kind of before um, they go through a, like a weird patch where yeah. Um, you know there have been years where you and I have been at E3 where I'm getting texts. It's like. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I think Capcom's having conversations about like getting, you know, uh-huh. so you know, sold, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and then essentially Monster Hunter World RE Seven hits and yeah. completely transforms the company, and they are now firing. It's interesting that I think there's like an increasing, uh, you know, games with you know, we just saw with Xbox with like there are games out in the next twelve months. I mean, you know, CG trailers and early announcements yeah. are are often done these days as recruitment tools because talent acquisition is just so difficult yeah. and, and competitive. But I also sympathize with folks who are increasingly tired of we've announced a thing that doesn't come out for four or right. five years. But Capcom at this point like is just continuing to fire on all cylinders that you can sort of just presume if they're announcing a thing. It's not it's a five year. Or two it's not out. five years yeah. off. Yeah. It is. It, they're showing you because well, they're ready to start talking. We've been hearing about, about this game in various forms, b- both through leaks that everybody knows about, mm-hmm. but also just like quietly. It's been the thing we've all been hearing. Like, oh yeah, Dragon's Dogma Two. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. <laughs> but like, we've been hearing it for years in a way that yeah. now makes me go, okay, it's been being made in some form for years. Right. At this point. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to say 2023. I'm going to let my heart hold 2020, late 2024. Well, especially these days, right? Yes. Uh, yes you know, just exactly. assume, take whatever you want it to be or what you think it could be. 100%. And then add and add a year. But a even year. if that game is 18 months out, I have yeah. a confidence that sometime in the next, you know, year. In the next we'll year, we'll see it. it. Yeah. I'm just, uh-huh. I'm so, I'm so, I don't, I just, I don't even, I, fr- I frankly don't know what it's going to look like um well a funny thing is dragon's dogma online not mentioned during any of these proceeds well yeah at all that game had cool stuff in it mm-hmm. like I, I i'm not saying that it was like uh you know i didn't i didn't get around to playing it i, I hate myself for this to this I day know. because i could have done it right i could have i could have done the thing i did with pso uh uh two back in the day which was like oh yeah i'll just do a i'll just install the japanese version and, and get a proxy and blah blah blah, blah. vpn myself over there whatever um, and did not do that with Dragon's Dogma Online, but like there, one, there has been a lot of work done for Dragon's Dogma Online in the last year. Uh, people are like starting to play it a little bit online. There, it's, there are fans. Maybe now, maybe work. now is our time. Now Austin. we should get into it. Right, now, now we're we should. Now, like now we're in the the window where we're waiting for Dragon's Dogma two, and so now if, is the I'm time to get into the I'm curious if anybody who MMO. listens to this has played the MMO. Let us know. The, let us know how it goes and like what the process is, because I'm sure. It's again. I know that it, that stuff is getting there finally, so I'm curious about it. There's lots of cool classes, which has always been part of the attraction to it. I'm excited to see those classes. They should slow roll those classes one per month for the next, you know, ten months. That's what they should do. <laughs> so uh, anyway, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Rob. All right, we can we can find we can we can go to break. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. 
quick mm-hmm. brack mm-hmm. uh, to look at some more deck like rogue builders <laughs> and uh, back after uh, these messages. Right, and we're back. Uh, that we might. This is a note to the rest, to those of us on the call. Might have to break this off real suddenly to go hit the meeting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Ren, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing two games. Uh, the first of which is after seeing um, after seeing Birth uh, on the during the uh, day of the devs. Uh, I went back and played the devs' previous game, Landlord of the Woods which is just an extremely cute, extremely fun, like adventure puzzler, um, really simple mechanics, but like, it feels like playing the best kind of flash game is how I would describe mm. it. Like, what if, what if the best kind of like adventure flash game was pushed to its absolute limits, uh, and was also like, had a pretty masterful command over the aesthetic that it has chosen um and you just like basically you are hired because you're dissatisfied with your job and feel behind all of your peers um you're hired to a new job as the landlord of the woods uh and you show up and you help people uh you know you do little tasks for them and then they give you rent uh rent uh, and then at the end of the game, there's a very fun twist slash joke that is that is ex- that is extremely well done. Uh, it is it's a really cute, really goofy game that made me extra excited for birth because now I know that like this dev's command over fun physics based mini games is pretty great. And being able to see that set of mechanics that she obviously has a really good grasp over in another setting towards a like actual narrative end is 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 it's exciting um i i want to see where it goes um that was the first thing i played just like a small shout out to that uh the other thing do, been, just for people like, if people missed birth because they didn't like do you want to at least like explain a little bit about like what the the new game is that they're that they're working okay. on yeah uh, so basically birth is this really cool game that was shown during day of the devs uh where the premise is that you just moved to a new city and are totally alone and so your character is trying to build a friend out of bones and organs they find scattered around the world in this very macabre and beautiful setting that is like obsessed with like bug corpses and rot and decay but not in a way that is designed to actively gross you out there are some things that are like ooh icky but it's like it is all portrayed with a deep kindness it is a game that understands that like aesthetics of decay can be not only beautiful but like a form of life that is valuable and worth living um really 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 cool and resonant uh and i that was probably my favorite thing we saw at day of the devs um one of my favorite things we saw at um a3 overall um so yeah that was that was playing a lot of the and you said you're playing something else yes uh, i also played dread delusion uh, Dread Delusion is the latest game from Dread XP, uh, the publisher who has made the Dread X collections. Uh, it is basically, hey, have y'all heard of this game called Morrowind? Y'all heard of this game called 
Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. I've only played Daggerfall, and I stopped after that. Wow. What if I told you that someone <laughs> played the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind and was like, "What if I made that more fucked up? Ooh, what if what if we got real grimy? Ooh, what if we made uh, also but also Bethesda seems profoundly uninterested in making that style of game anymore, despite yes. still making first person open world RPGs. Exactly. Uh, what if what if we went back to, and like it is down to the way in which the combat feels weird and floaty. Uh, when you swing a sword in that game, it is you click and then you see an animation of someone swinging a sword that you have to like awkwardly press your body into enemies to land in a way that is like, it is awkward mm. in a way that is both expressive and also does create opportunities for the game to have like interesting momentum based combat where you are like, I'm going to swing the sword and I'm going to sprint at this guy, hit them and then sprint back the other direction before they can swing mm -hmm. at me. Ah, yes. In a way the that King's, like the Kingsfield method. Ah, <laughs> exactly the Kingsfield method. Um, and the game's like set in this. In this world that is, uh, the premise is that it's been totally corrupted, and so no one can live on the ground anymore, and so everyone has to live on these islands in the sky, uh, and all of these islands have, like, different factions that rule them, and, like, wildly different understandings of, like, their political structures, um, which is neat. Apparently the next one that they're adding is a, uh, clockwork island, uh, which has state-controlled magic. Uh, versus the island that the game starts on, which is run by the Inquisition. Um, and so it is, it's really cool. Uh, great aesthetic. Um, I'm finding spells. It is doing the thing where you find a weird spell and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think the game should let me do this. <laughs> I, hey, hey, um, I don't think a Morrowind like game should let me go this fast and then <laughs> completely disable all fall damage temporarily and the idea of being able to combo these like spells together with the devs interest in like systemic interaction and also um like their command over storytelling I, it's it's i'm really excited by it yeah i think it's neat that there is now i mean because games like morrowind I guess Morrowind specifically, like, you know, like Oblivion still has like a little bit of like the Dragonfall Morrowind era, but that's the in it, but it's, it, it signals sort of the end of, of that era, whether that was a result of Bethesda choosing to go that place or the, the marketplace chose to pull them in a different direction. Like it's, it's easy to forget that Bethesda was like a pretty obscure RPG developer until Oblivion just like skyrocketed out of nowhere because it was the first major game you could play on the 360 and people were just desperate for something to play and then skyrim well, follows the go ahead well i was just thinking it's also a smart like use of the we don't appreciate it at the time because like when those games come out in their context their attempts at higher degrees of fidelity but in retrospect we can recognize that like the combination of like low polygon counts and like low res textures gives them a really like stylized and unreal or dreamlike quality to them that this just mm -hmm. like punches up to the max like intentionally. Yeah, it yeah. Is. So it's it's neat to see that catch up to independent developers having not only the ambition but the sort of like the tools to start 
building their own versions of of these games because you know well we just saw Starfield like companies like Bethesda are, are, are they're just not going to to make those kinds of games anymore even if Todd Howard is out here telling me well, we're taking a lot of inspiration from Daggerfall in this one it's like okay okay buddy like I don't you know <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly other than like what Starfield might have in common with Daggerfall is a Enormous. lot of cities. It's enormous with cities that are uninteresting. And I love Daggerfall. It's been so much. I played a shitload of it. Like, weirdly, didn't get into uh, Morrowind or Oblivion. Didn't come on uh, come onto Bethesda's radar again until uh, Skyrim and Fallout 3. But I played a lot of Daggerfall. The question is, Rob, what I can't figure out, did I play a lot of Daggerfall or did I play a lot of a PC gamer demo disc of Daggerfall? <laughs> Unclear to me. Too long for me to remember on which one of those is true. Well, and since the world largely looks the same all the way through, uh, it's not <laughs> like you can be well, like... Well, that, that, that was the curse of the PC gamer demo disc, was that there's a reason... There's actually a reason demos... Statistically, it was shown that demos weren't necessarily helping with sales. And in fact, frequently people were getting enough out of the demo to not want to play it more. Um, and that was... There is proof. Look, piracy does not piracy does not equal a lost sale. But I will tell you very frequently on the PC gamer demo disc, a demo equaled a lost sale. (laughs) I mean, like the legendary Liberty Island level from Deus Ex, that level that everybody loved because it's the one that everybody played because it was on the demo (laughs) disc. Like, I'm not saying it's not a powerful statement of purpose for how that game works, but I think there's a reason that, like, the only common reference really around Deus Ex is like, hey, remember Liberty Island? Uh, Did you take the Gep gun or the the crossbow? Uh, so this is still in early access, right, uh, Ren? This this just just came out it, on on Steam. Yes, it just entered early access like two days ago. I've been watching gotcha. it for a few months because I really like the output of um, Lovely Hellplace, uh, which are the people who put together uh, a couple of the Dread X collections. Um, and so I've been watching it for a while because um, I just thought it was gorgeous and weird. Uh, and I'm yeah, I'm, I was looking at their um, their one their website is just beautifully designed uh aesthetically like the it's just it's a nice looking website and they they have a lot of games that you can see them clearly building towards uh dread delusion or at least at least the scale of it but they a lot of their games share a similar um <laughs> like oh man i love this this is a really i have not played much of the dread x collections and that's that's my bad um maybe ren and i you, uh, you and i can fix that at some point and, and do some stuff later in the year um but uh Shatter in the ruins of future Britain, new gods rule the waste. Is a that's a really good pitch. <laughs> and then, but I, but specifically, the reason it's a good pitch is because it's it's accompanied by, uh, I can't get the color to show, but this screenshot of a of a marine in front of like a giant bug. Mm-hmm. That looks good. Yep, it's it's it's, it's real. Their their games are just weird and cool. Um across the board um neat approaches to horror and this game is no different um this game is not actively frightening but there was a Mm -hmm. moment where uh i was playing and my girlfriend looked over uh and was like what the fuck is happening because what was happening Mm -hmm. was an enemy was clipping through the wall 
in a way that was actively terrifying. It was like a building-sized enemy whose face was just clipping through the wall of a building in a way that like leans into that dreamlike horror that Rob was gesturing at earlier. And I was like, this is legitimately very frightening to me and like would not happen in a game that ha that chose to have a higher fidelity. It wouldn't land in the way it is right now where it feels like this thing is doing something impossible and pushing its face through a wall. Um, it was, it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, so I just got a couple, couple quick things to shout out. First of all, uh, Matrix Games released a Starship Troopers game. Uh, what? <laughs> it's not very good, I don't think. No. Uh, it is, so it's sort of an RTS game, but mostly focused on like positioning little squads of, uh, Starship Troopers, uh, to fight the bugs. Um, the missions sort of unfold in this puzzle-like way, but it's all just like, it feels really rudimentary and, um, like, a. there was a game, God, I, I wish I had remember what it was, a similar game that I played, uh, from like an indie developer that was basically all about, might have been called Infested Planet, was that it? Um, yeah, Infested Planet. It was all about like trying to navigate just like endless hordes of uh monsters, like a small squad of uh Marines, and it's all about like positioning to make sure that you can carve out enough space that you can continue to advance um through the level. And you just use the different archetypes and weapon types to clear the space and counter the types of monsters you're facing. Uh this Starship Troopers game seems to be broadly like drawing inspiration for that like it's it's operating in the same wheelhouse it's just it is it is so slow going and takes such a long time to even begin to hint that like things might get interesting it just is really tough to stick with like maybe they start changing up the formula enough as you go on to uh to grab your attention but like first glance did not seem very promising more interesting was a random uh demo that showed up uh from Spiders Interactive. You know Spiders. Uh they <laughs> are the French studio that makes uh like always very oh like not to stay what's the way to put it? It's like the type of Eurojank that some people have a real soft spot for and it just leaves other people like totally cold. Their market share never like grows that much, nor does it shrink. It's always like just in this wheelhouse of like, yeah, I like the, I like the slightly knockoff version of, and then what is it they're knocking off? This time they're knocking off, uh, from soft games a bit. Uh, but with hmm. a twist, uh, it is, also basically cribbing a bit from uh near automata this is a game where you are it's an it's an uh action role-playing game where wait did, you, what's it called? did you say the title steel rising okay steel rising one word so it's an alternate french revolution Louis the Sixteenth figured out how to stay in power. It was to harness his army of automata and turn oh them god. against the people. Oh my god! And oh, so, like, I remember this trailer. Yeah, and so he, like, the king's gone mad. Uh, like, all of France is under like the under the control of these like gangs of killer robots under the direct control of the king, except for Marie Antoinette's personal bodyguard robot. Uh. Aegis. 
And Aegis was the original curiosity, uh, the original uh, automaton from uh, Messier Volkensaw, uh, who is the engineer who who made all of these. And the queen's like, we have to do something about the king. Like we like the situation's got gotten out of hand. Aegis, go on a journey through France and how like help uh, figure out what's going on and and help save us from this disaster. And the way I would describe it is it is so it's tough to like it's hard for me to make definitive judgments about the pace of combat because mm-hmm. it was a pre-release build that was itself really laggy. Um, again, this probably wouldn't have happened if I had a thirty eighty. Um, and wow. you know, wow. I, 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 like I yeah, it, it was being held back. But even in the notes they had for it, they're saying they want the combat to feel clockwork like, and it kind of does with like the way it unfolds is almost like an animating on on twos type rhythm. Um, where you mm. see like, like really sharp keyframes, and you have a moment to like think about what what you're gonna do next, and then everything sort of moves to the next state. It's like it's fluid, but like the way it reads to you is a series of like position changes, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, it's like I think my worry for it is it might be neither fish nor fowl, like not tight enough to like scratch the bloodborne itch, but like still kind of too punishing to really be chill for people who are looking for more like a historical sci-fi adventure, like Assassin's Creed. Uh, but I don't know. Like I kind of, I, I did dig what I saw. Uh, it has a, it has a cool look, um, uh, a weird vibe. There's something kind of compelling about your powdered wig. Oh, Greedfall. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Greedfall Okay. All right. That yeah. That was. I remember I played like two hours. Of that I think you and Austin played some of it and came out of it being like, well, yeah. Ah. And I'm kind of. I'm, uh, like, I'm like, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Uh. And uh, we will see. So anyway, as I was saying, that's why the uh, directory <laughs> was the last legitimate government government of France. Uh. So we should <laughs> we should move on now to uh, crack open the crack open the old question bucket. Um, first of all, I think this should be brought to everyone's attention. Uh, Jess wrote in, do y'all know about the 2012 original DS game, Pokemon Conquest, officially yes. titled Japan, yes. Pokemon <sighs> plus Nobunaga's Ambition. Nobunaga's it's just a Nobunaga's Ambition game. Grand strategy, tactics battles, delegating kingdom tasks to subordinate warlords, but Pokemon are there. So the wars are more like you bond with your Pokemon is stronger. Your bond with your Pokemon is stronger. Our castle is yours now. Uh, also, the real actual Oda Nobunaga is in the game as the central villain. He has a shiny all black Rayquaza. Oh, my game God. fucking owns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've it's heard sick. of this game. I've wanted to play this game. It sounds fucking sick. <laughs> I rented this video game on my Nintendo DS when I was a child, um, and I, I remember playing it one afternoon at my grandmother's house. Uh, it, is, it is imprinted on my mind as the Pokemon strategy game. I just wish there were more weird mashups. That's like my take. I have no opinion yeah. on Pokemon Conquest. I, I just wish more often you just, just let it go. Just let, just let it out there. No. Like. They do. They do a fair amount these days. 
I, Pokemon specifically, yeah, that. does yeah. uh does does seem to get a little more licensed to get. Well, no, I feel like but more historic crossovers. Like we could have, like, where's our Pokemon? Like all the president's men, you know, like <laughs> Watergate, <laughs> but Pokemon are there. Or Ace Attorney, mm-hmm. right? I want to accuse this, uh, accuse well, this Pikachu P- of fucking murder. Po- po- Pokemon Pikachu detective, detective, detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. Is that, that what that was exists? though? Basically, right? Mm. It was kind of. Could like there could have been more of a detective yarn there though? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, 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 agree. <laughs> I just feel like m- most most of the time uh, these days, Nintendo's idea of a genre mashup is just I don't know. You want another, none of those Muso games? Hey, uh, spin the wheel. Which uh, Nintendo games? Uh, a I Muso game like this yelling week. at his kid or something. I <laughs> <laughs> no. just, just no. completely just like disengaging the pod. Like, hey, at, yeah. you spin uh, the wheel, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on in his house? He's, he's right. transported the wheel from the RE streams yeah. into his real mm-hmm. life. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the Pokemon Heat crossover, uh, what <laughs> what is what is Al Pacino's partner Pokemon? Oh, you mean like partner Pokemon, not just like he's yeah. he like it, not just as Heat, but they're all Pokemon now. Yeah, I, no, no, no. I want I want in the crossover, much like Pokemon Conquest featuring uh, Nobunaga. Uh, I, <laughs> Al Pacino has to be there. Feature, wait, sorry, Pokemon Conquest featuring Nobunaga from the history series. Um, uh, yeah, who is who's Al Pacino's partner Pokemon? His oh, signature little buddy. Yeah, I couldn't see. I don't know Pokemon well enough to cast like yeah. Michael Mann characters against them is the problem. Mm. Like I'm like. Uh, Snorlax is cool, but obviously not the, the energy <laughs> no, to, to pair with energy, Al Pacino, yeah. and no. neither neither is Pikachu really, despite the back, not despite his background in uh, detective work. Um, <laughs> Kato, just not appropriate. Kato, then I I push this question yeah. to you, or one of our resident Pokemon experts, who is Al Pacino paired with? Uh, I want to say Hitmonchan, maybe. Uh, something mm. something humanoid. I was thinking Pangoro, but that's too. That's probably actually Robert De Niro's buddy. Is Pangoro, uh, you know, like a, a cool badass friend to go on crime sprees with? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the other the other side is a little harder to to pin down. Maybe a Mister Mime. You know what? <laughs> psychic type, probably good at figuring things out with his weird brain and psychic powers. It'll be yeah, Mister Mime. I'm saying <laughs> have a Mister Mime walk around with Al Pacino. She's got a great ass, <laughs> Mister Mime. Mister Mime. <laughs> Stupid. Was there a que- what was the question? No, it was just about the, <laughs> Did you it was making us aware of information for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Next right, well, next my, now my next 101 is settled. Uh <laughs> so you want a question? Vane has a question. So I'm about to get a lot of my belongings out of long storage, five years in a dear acquaintance's basement. Long story. And that means it's time to think about room planning and interior design. I'm unfortunately a hoarder of useful items. I have several boxes full of fabric mm. that I swear really I'll use it. I'm sure yeah, I will. Yeah. No, it's okay, useful. Good. Uh, it's it's long, useful. It's useful. All right. Now I'm I see. sure. <laughs> uh, so my room is always full and I play room space Jenga every few months. I'm about to get back over 400 books, several game systems, possibly my old uh, LED TV and so many clothes. This has me thinking about tables and shelves. As I grow older, I increasingly realize that shelves are about the best purchase investment you can make. But that's besides. My current setup uses two different dra- two drafting tables, 
stacked on top of each other and a massive white work table that eats a good third of the room. It is too large. It is also currently too useful. It is also too tall for my needs as I'm a ground sitter for the sake of my poor back. So I'm going to chop the legs down, lose that glorious under storage, but figure out how to put my bed under it uh, and be able to use it as the desk I meant it to be. This all culminates in the question that led me to write in, what are your table thoughts and preferences? Do you like a big sprawling slab of wood to work on? Several smaller tables you can move around as needed. Everyone seems focused on solid wood, but what about composite board, for, uh, formica, metal, glass? Rob, please, no making mojitos on it. Is a cardboard <laughs> table ever reasonable? Thanks for reading, and thank you always for glorious podcasts, cursed run facts, Patrick Dad events, Rob cooking uh, corners, and Kato's tech gremlin uh, decisions and laughter. Table thoughts. My so, oh, sorry. No, I, I will just I will just say I love so I love a big old slab to spread out on. Mm, love it. Problem is, I also want my table to be a pristine, empty mm-hmm. workspace that invites mm-hmm. activity. Uh, <laughs> just a pure, expansive, blank canvas of a table, really. And that's completely at odds with what ends up happening to a large, expansive slab. Which is that ends up as an incredibly useful storage area for everything, assorted random things. <laughs> yep. And so, <sighs> part of me craves the table. Give me the bigger table. Give me more table. But part of me recognizes I can't be trusted with a table. Perhaps no table. So you just not have tables? No, no, I have a huge table. <laughs> It's a, it's a problem. <laughs> reject tradition. So what's Sorry, on your table? Modernity right now, tradition. can you see the table? Yes. What's on it? Okay. Uh, the remote control for the room air for the portable AC that serves. Okay, wait, hold on. Can I that. can I re-ask the question? Okay. Can you look at your table and tell me the oldest thing on it? Rob's moved away, rolled his chair. He's thinking, examining. He's standing. He's standing now. He's, he's, he's doing a full, I mean, he is truly doing the research to answer this question. It must be a lot. He, he put his hands in his pockets. He's going to yeah. be up there for a while. <laughs> Can't tell if I just, he's embarrassed or. I think he's really, really making sure. It's uh-huh. a sample of chapstick that I got from the mall. <laughs> Uh, three years ago. Oh, yes! <laughs> Deliver! That was beyond expectations. It was a really Shut. good chapstick, but I never bought more. And I and it it's empty. Like, it is an empty, it is <laughs> thing of chapstick that I keep thinking. I keep forgetting that it's empty, and so it just keeps hanging out. Three yeah. years? Hey, you remember How do you remember getting empty? chapstick three years ago? Rob, you remember now that it's empty. Do you want to go in and get up and throw it out? You can go no. throw it away. <laughs> if I throw it away, I'll forget what brand it was, and I'll forget to buy a new one. Take a picture. Oh, Take a picture. That's what photos are for. Yeah, that's what. Mm. That's 
instead of hoarding the and things in real life my google drive exactly no that's the thing it's better There's that folders. you clutter it's better that you just clutter your phone and your google drive than your physical space this is i've had the same problem before and i've just taken to taking pictures and forgetting that i've taken the pictures they're in there it's taking up too much drive space but at least my tables are clean at least there mm-hmm. isn't. Also, it would drive my partner mad if I kept leaving. She hates it when I leave small things out that are like, this should be trash. This should be thrown away. So I can't live that life. Because it would just get thrown out. Yeah. But then then I would forget the thing. So I have to take a picture of it mm-hmm. and just throw it out myself. Yeah, I just throw I just This happens fairly frequently where um, if I've told my wife, hey, I did a bunch of cleanup while you were out. Um you should just check the trash. And then there'll be inevitably like one thing. She's like, what the hell? And I was like, that has been sitting there <laughs> for two and a half years. If I didn't tell you to check the trash, uh-huh. never would have come up. Right. I get, it's fine. That's why I told you to, to check it. Like, or I'll set things aside. I was like, this is all going in the trash unless, and then pull out, you know, whatever it is. If there's like some, some kid thing that I thought was, we don't need anymore, but it turns out to be deeply sentimental. <laughs> I was about to toss it in the trash. Ren? Yes? Do you have strong storage feelings? My storage feelings are that I purchased a L-shaped desk, uh, and it did significantly improve my quality of life. But. <laughs> but. Ren. Because you can moment, put more stuff on it? Oh. No, I know. The L-shaped desk for me, the utility is that one side is my computer and stuff, and the other side I can have, like, journals and shit on. Now, is there a bunch of shit on my desk currently? Yes. Every time I turn my camera, I feel bad about it. But this is neither here nor there. The future that I envision for myself, that I hope for myself, is the world in which I get a little desk, a tiny desk, that, that only holds the computer and I can't put shit on it, and then install a bunch of shelves in my room. Like into the walls, just build a bunch of shelves mm. and put them in the walls, and so turn your room into a garret. Yeah, a garret. Yeah, you know the garrets from uh, Norco. Yeah, I don't actually know what Rob's Rob, talking about. I have what no idea what the word you're using to me is. Garret. When I think of when I think of a tiny, efficient little workspace, perfect for perfect for a writer toiling away. Uh, a nook. I mean, this is also the, the room that I attic. live in. Is 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 the note uh, again? Yes, I just uh, I have a wall next to me that I'm every day I look at and I go, what if that entire wall was shelves that made my landlord mad when I move out? <laughs> I'm always worried that most la- you know what I, something I've realized though is most landlords the standard is so low for like renters at checkout that the sheer nut like they're like oh this is nothing and you're like leaving the place sort of half a shambles and they're like don't even worry about it like don't like it has been my experience i've i've had much i don't think i've ever had someone like except for that shitty little sublet asshole i don't think i've ever had somebody like really try to put the screws to me on the uh like on the security deposit most of the time my experience is like oh this this isn't the type of stuff I'm worried about. You know, you you should see the other, you should see what other people do to the walls. And I'm like, great, cool. So you don't mind that I, uh, you know, just fucked up putting in floating shelves like five times and Swiss cheese that entire thing in drywall? No. They were going right, cool. to patch the whole thing in, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. it makes more sense the subletter 
uh, person would be more irritated because the turnover is probably mm-hmm. far less frequent, whereas someone who is dealing with, you know, a relatively frequent number of tenants coming in and out is just used to like a base level of, well, these walls are all fucked and we're just going to, pat you know, we're just going <laughs> to go right over it and fill, every, fill everything in. I, uh, I too recently got an L-shaped desk. It's not, it's not good. What it's, happened? It's great. Well, here, look at this. So this is, seems like a normal part of a desk. I'm sending you all an image in our chat. Um, okay. It's a little messy. A lot of cables, There's a lot of cables. Of. I have to deal look with the at, cables. Look at the image I'm, the, the face I'm making. Yeah. That's your cables. Very good. Uh, you know, it's, I have to get the cable management under control, but the issue is I'm waiting on a few last pieces. Like, I can't actually put it all together anyways. So, it's a bit of a mess. Um, but that's just that side of the of the desk, you know? We, we, we move over here. It's, like, still okay in the center area. Uh, you can see my double keyboard, <laughs> my double keyboard mess here. Uh, Gotta get rid of that Apple shit. You have to. <laughs> I'll, and it's will, for, it works super well for my Apple computer, which is what I'm using to which I what I use to record and edit the podcast mm-hmm. in. I wouldn't trade it actually at all for that, but it doesn't play well with my other two computers, which are PCs. Um, but however, my second PC requires that. Um, and then there's the then there's the shame zone. And we turn another like ninety degrees over here, and uh. There's How long has that plate that plate been there? Not the bowl. The bowl's probably recent. <laughs> the bowl was food in there. the bowl was lunch. The plate. That's fine. Yeah. I the think plate. We- the plate looks like it's been there for two weeks. <laughs> no, not that bad. I think it was breakfast yesterday. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's um, all right. This this area of the of the desk was absolutely clear like two weeks ago and has slowly been accumulating things. I go through cycles of getting yes, rid of the yes. stuff <laughs> and then slowly building it back up to a yep. bad point. <laughs> um, but in, in the like- perfect world, I will have all the cables correct. There's actually a bunch of cable management shit built into this desk. There's like little uh, nooks where I can put stuff the cables down. Oh, and- so, so I have had <laughs> for, for two months, maybe three. Yeah. On a chair in my living room, uh-huh. I've had a box sitting there full of cable management stuff for my desk. <laughs> and I've like, by the way, it's sealed. I haven't even opened it. I'm <laughs> like, ah, I'm not going to open it. The minute I bring it out, now we got another storage problem. Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> it's waiting until I you know, can take a sabbatical. Yeah. Uh, and really get my life right with um, cable management and uh, yeah. table clearing. I just need, I need, I ran out of the issue. I, I ran out of uh, plugs to plug in the various devices and monitors that I have. So I need to get, I was just going to go get another surge protector. But why do that when you can get a, a you know, a UPS, you know, a little, get a little safety battery. Absolutely. So that if for some reason during a stream my shit goes down, the the battery will keep us up for long enough to be like, okay, Kato's losing his power. We'll be right back, and then yeah. it'll go down. Um. Well, and you got the peace of mind knowing that, like, you know, if storms move through your area, you're much more, you're much safer yeah. from the surge. So 
I'm just waiting on that, and then I can plug in all of my monitors, of which I'm only using two out of the three, because the third one doesn't have a power cable to connect into. Well, I I do have a question about that, Kato. In these pictures you have sent, which do include three monitors, Uh I noticed that only only one of them is on in this picture, and is currently having kind of a lot of information stored on it. That's that's just my life. (laughs) Do you not use the other two monitors you uh, when I'm streaming, I'm using two. The third one, I don't have a power place to connect into power right now. Like I just can't. There's no outlet close enough. The outlet that is here is being used by the three computers plus other peripherals that need direct power. Uh, like this, I just have a full surge protector. Daisy changed into a, a second surge protector already, and I cannot cannot daisy chain another. I won't let myself do it. Um but yeah, I use the second I use two when I'm when we're streaming and I really want that third. It's going to be useful, so useful when I get that third up and running. Yeah. It's you know, in my experience, uh once you get more like once you get more capacity display stuff, uh, more things you can hook into sort of an Uber battle station, mm-hmm. uh, just the more more together your life gets. Um, <laughs> that's that's that basically been the arc for me. A thing that I'm always saying about Rob is the more organizational tools that he has, uh, the better things kind of go for him generally. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, hey, uh, Kata, I'm going to need you to uh, you just took these pictures, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you need to open that copy of the thing and figure out how it works before Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see the plastic on I that. know the plastic's still on there. I'm going to open it. I'm going to open okay. it tonight, probably. All right. Okay. <laughs> I will say, though, um, at least the, the virtue of the table is it does sort of force you to confront, like, how out of hand things are getting. Yeah. I think the shelf <laughs> is really good at obscuring. How, like, because you're like, ah, this stuff is packed away. The thing, away. Real, like, the thing you don't realize is, like, your shelves are bursting with stuff. None of it is accessible anymore. It's just siloed. Like, you were just burying stuff on shelves. And you're not engaging with the question of, like, why has this thing lived on the shelf for mm. years? And I have forgotten it exists. But if someone's like, you should just get rid of that. I'm like, I will kill you. <laughs> I just I just finished completely our uh garage got out of hand uh over the a couple of years of kid stuff. We don't have uh like a base we have like very little storage space in the house in general. Um there's just not much place to put stuff and so the garage became that place like it does for a lot of houses especially if you don't have a basement or something like that and especially as you add kids to the mix. And then like we replaced a couch and that couch went upstairs, like the old couch went in the garage with the intent to sell it. And then uh, like my daughter's bed got replaced and then a mattress went down there with the intent to get that <laughs> to my mom's house. And then pretty soon, like the garage was just completely like unnavigable, <laughs> like you were doing an obstacle course to get the kids into the, into the car. And then a month ago, I finally usually I try, like a couple times a week, like try to work out in the morning before work. And it's like, no. I'm claiming this hour for the next two weeks, and I just just recently finished like the transformation of the garage. Everything but the two mattresses are out, but those are gonna go in a in a van next week when I get back from. That's next Friday. That's that's the last. The two last things I have to do are the mattresses are getting in a U-Haul to my mom's basement, and then I'm going to power wash the 
uh, the floor. And it's awesome. It's so fucking cool. that I put a hung a dartboard in there a couple days ago. Got a spot for a beer fridge. It's immaculate. God, it's just I can just dad. roll around in that garage now. Uh, and, it, and it rules. But I got to get rid of paint. How do I get rid of paint? Don't know. Do you use it up? No, so, this paint This paint was here when I bought the house. Dude, <laughs> Patrick, <laughs> so we've got, we have multiple cans of There's paint. Like, th- we're talking 25, roll. 30. Like, this is, this has been sitting on a shelf. The shelf is because, the way that you talked about, like, that's a shelf, but it actually, it isn't. Because I've just never acknowledged its existence. Because that paint was there when I bought the house. I then discovered garages are not a great place to keep paint because the heat can change frequently enough in the summer and winter to essentially ruin it. So that's if not you wanted to use paint. it. No, no. But then the process of of if you want to recycle paint is like sawdust in I don't it's a whole fucking thing. I'm like, what do I I just want it to go away? And I think I just have to just drop it off at like an ace hardware. I think I've I think I've figured it out. The I just have to pay like a small fee for someone else to to deal with it because you can't just throw it out you know it's, it's all toxic and, and gross so you can't just put it in the garbage um but that that is all that is like i've gotten rid of the floor part of the garage and then the shelves are a, a different project for later but it's like 30 cans of paint have been on my <laughs> on my problem solving list yeah we've got um we have the paint for the walls in this place and we hate the color but mm-hmm. we're like can't get rid of that paint what if we want to paint these walls and like re- like repair some damage to some of the paint? So it's just sitting there, and it's a color we hate. If you got rid like, of it, then you'd be forced to confront the real problem later. So you just need to, you and I just need to get rid of the paint. It's true. We need to look deep within ourselves and just like <laughs> get rid of the paint. <laughs> Maybe bring some of that paint to the street. I'll bring some with me, and you know we'll just uh, a segment on the stream next week can be. Uh, Patrick and Rob putting sawdust into, uh, you know, paint, uh, 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 things while, uh, Ren slowly inhales a bunch of keyboard fumes. Like, it's great. I love it. The the, the Waypoint OSHA violation, uh, (laughs) marathon. Also, I'll have you know, I inhale lead fumes with conviction. Thank you very much. I will not be inhaling them slowly. I'll be inhaling them with conviction. (laughs) Just taking fat rips straight off the soldering (laughs) iron. Exactly. Verve. All right. uh, One last one here. Chris writes in, after the many, many hours of enjoyable research and assembly of Rob's new ideal keyboard, unfortunately, I believe something is missing. The ideal mouse, or should I say pointing instrument? Let Mm. me introduce Lunar Artifacts, not spelled with an I, with an E. E, That's how you know it's Lunar Artifacts Pointer Instrument. What? I'm going to Google.com. Not only is this piece aesthetically pleasing with its brass body and leather grip, it is also, (laughs) quote, long lasting. (laughs) And repairable. <laughs> Only no. the best for Rob and his new keyboard. I'm looking forward to seeing the board completed and in working order. Thanks for everything you do and being who you are. Chris from Fort Wayne. The <laughs> last. Oh, that's not what I meant to paste. That's equally <laughs> cursed. <laughs> this is equally cursed, but that's Wait, not what, what I that? meant to paste. <laughs> the last thing I want is to put my sweaty fucking palm on a piece of leather. Yes, I for do. I want this. Eight hours a day. 
Uh, it'll just sop up all that sweat. Don't worry about it. Oh my god, you get patinated, Ren. Brass, the the fucking metal bottom is killing me. Equestrian inspired stitching. (laughs) I gotta go. (laughs) They put a horse in here. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. They put a whole horse in this mouth. Green leather. Wait, there's weight options. You can get different weights. See, because it, because it's for gamers too. It it tracks on glass. It's not for gamers. It's charge. It's uh, wireless. <laughs> wireless mice aren't for gamers. They aren't. No, not fast enough for a real no, game. I, lo- we, I learned. Rob this. knows. Rob knows. Milliseconds. I know. It makes I the know. difference. <laughs> Look at. I mean, I look at this. This is, just, this, this is just art. See, it's it's actually just it's sculpture. It's sculpture. It's two hundred pounds, Kato. That's more. Oh, like that's worse. <laughs> oh no! This looks it, like a male abstract sculpturist attempt at a vagine. I hate looking at these two ways to game. I fucking hate this so bad. I hate this oh. statement piece. Least favorite part of the MoMA right here. I must have it. Fucking what's his face? Balloon guy. Oh. What? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He's a super famous artist, but just looking at this thing is throwing me off. You know, the 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 uh animal balloons in, in chrome. Uh what else has he done? Uh that, that one statue of uh Michael Jackson with his monkey. Um Animal balloons artist. It's it's dumb. It's a super famous guy. It's a super famous guy. Damn it! I can't. Yeah, it's not. It's not ringing a bell. Sorry, man. Uh, Jeff Coons. Jesus Christ. Jeff Coons. It came to my mind. Jeff Coons. This is this is what if Jeff Coons like raccoon or like K U H N K O O N S. Jeff Coons. Oh, the, the most chaotic spelling. Okay, yeah. Um I don't get it. The metal the metal the metal work on this mouse reminds me of some of his sculptural works. Uh Jeff Koons is 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 bad. I don't like his work. <laughs> um I do I do like that people also ask, what is the meaning behind Jeff Koons art? Well, Tate.org.uk has this to say. Jeff Koons has been associated with pop art, conceptual art, and minimalism. Use of themes and subjects from popular culture is characteristic of pop art, but it also has qualities that suggest minimalist art. (laughs) Fuck off. That's so true. That's so true to say that. How how deep does the balloon balloon rabbit hole go? Jeff Koons got got in early on the um, not even early, kind of late actually on the uh, questions of production. Like after the initial wave of pop art being like all about making uh, you know uh, like you know Andy Warhol in the factory making like multiples and multiples of a thing. He's kind of the I'm going to still make singular objects, but my hand is not going to touch any of these. Um, and people loved that for some reason. And he doesn't have anything interesting to say about that sort of labor d- difference, d- different, uh, uh, 
uh, splitting the labor that way at all. Unlike a soloette or whoever, like other people who actually engage with that mm-hmm. subject matter, Coons is just like, I don't want to make them. Somebody else is going to make them. And uh, that's why, I don't know why that's why he's popular, but that is why he's popular. <laughs> popular is maybe the wrong word, but like he's too famous for his own fucking good, <laughs> damn good. Right. It looks like the, the pieces sell for quite a bit. So he's yes. a darling of uh, like the gallery and collection world. Yep. Yeah. Fuck Jeff Coons. Well, you gotta you gotta stash those assets somewhere. <laughs> Might as well do it in a big fake balloon animal. Uh, uh all right, I think we will we will leave it there. Uh if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people follow you? Uh at Patrick Hobbick. Ren. You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. Kato. At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. You can also check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, this week, Ren discussed Halo Infinite's Cruel Fate as a hopefully temporary piece of abandonware, let us say, <laughs> judging by the current state of the game and the lack of clear path forward. Uh, Patrick explained how games like Peglin managed to break through amidst the never-ending deluge of new games being released. Well, Games like Loot River end up being a bit lost despite early coverage and interest uh, and the role that coverage does or can play in this ecosystem. We've also been streaming a whole bunch thanks to Waypoint Plus. Kato and I started a racing team in Motorsport Manager and had a thrilling first race. But I think we're <laughs> we, I think we were supposed to do some stuff uh, before the season began because we did one race and our racing team is now broke. Yeah. Uh, Not was, just broke, heavily deeply, in debt. Deep in the broke. Deep, yeah, it's like it, <laughs> we had one race and now we have like negative half a million dollars. And it's like a 12, 12 race season and we lose <sighs> we lose a half a million dollars every race. So I like I'm kind of curious. I've never had a death spiral in this game, so I'm kind of curious like what happens at this point. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to revisit that. Patrick and I took a look at Neocore's King Arthur and Knight's Tale. That was a game. Hey, uh, I was hungry for ravens, and I just need to feed them. Time to, to feed the ravens. Time to feed the ravens. Time uh, to feed the ravens. Yeah. Look, it, it it had a lot of really repetitive and easy battles. Maybe it gets better as you go on, but, like, boy, starting from nowhere, mm-hmm. really. Uh, real, mm-hmm. real hard to stick with. Uh, the other end of the spectrum, Ren and I returned to the Chaos Gate to hunt demons. And I would say the demon hunting went well, uh, and we are we are nearing the big turn in that game. Uh, our, our Inquisitor remains hot and <laughs> also has some really cool ideas about what we should do with the cursed chaos seeds. Uh, and I'm curious to see um, what she what she does with them. Uh, and obviously, as we discussed earlier, uh, Patrick and Kato delved into the next fast game demos. Uh, and when you were listening to this, I think Kato and Ren may be playing some Darkest Dungeon 2 as they complete Studio Setup. Uh, studio Setup for what I warned you about at the start of the show. On Monday, June 20th at 10 a.m., the Waypoint Summer Games Feast begins on twitch.tv slash Waypoint. So if that sounds good or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. 
For now, we're calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again. Well, not on Monday. We're going to be we're going to be streaming uh, all day Monday, but we will talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home and prepare to feast. All right, two time dot is. Mm-hmm. I was wondering whether or not we would remember or just keep going. No, no, I <laughs> never forget. In fact, I, uh, I, we should probably start doing not it to start once, streams. Cotto. Oh yeah. my god! I agree. I agree, Patrick. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, what happens if you take them down? Oh. You know, things get desynced all the time. Mm. Uh, shall we go top of the minute? There. Now we can pod. Oh, I just feel free, light mm-hmm, as a bird. Mm-hmm. All the tension in my fingers. Ah. Ah. Uh, uh.